Well, good Saturday morning. Welcome to another episode of Hidden Treasures Revealed. Just here to share the truth of God and hope that others will dig into it and discover that truth by their relationship with God. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. On this uh, Saturday morning, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about why it's on our hearts to do this podcast. Now, we were uh, directed by the Spirit Mother to do the podcast. But we also desire to do it for the reason of truth being put out in the title at the beginning what's the problem Sean here's something that I find interesting that when you're speaking to people who claim faith in God and you start challenging them asking them questions well they don't want to answer the question and then if you press the issue then they get upset and it's so interesting to me because the bible which is professed to be the infallible word of god states Always be prepared to give a good answer for the faith that you have. And here's what I would say to anybody who's listening, that if you're asked a question that you can't answer, you don't know the answer to, then just state it, you know, I don't know the answer, and then, you know, dig into it to figure out what the answer is to that question. But don't just shut somebody down because they ask you a question that you didn't know an answer to or a question that you didn't want to answer. It's really important that in faith, in true faith in God, you should be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have, no matter what somebody asks. You should be okay with somebody challenging you because if somebody challenges you and you can give a good answer, that just shows you that 
you know and understand the faith. And then if they hit you with something that gets you to question, then it just opens up another opportunity for you to learn something you didn't already know. And so we want to continually be learning and growing and understanding the things of God. And just this uh, conversation here came from a conversation I had with uh, someone yesterday. Um, this conversation was via text message. I guess he, he couldn't talk on the phone or whatever, but uh, just having a message and just simply uh, just asking, you know, asking a question and him saying that he's, you know, everything's good. <clears throat> everything's good. And so I just posed back the question, you know, so you don't sin. And I got everything else other than a simple yes or no. And this is someone who is who was a professed pastor in the past. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing right now. Um, we didn't really get into any of that. Uh, but I do know about, it was about nine or ten months ago, uh, he had called me on the phone. Uh, and the interesting thing is, is that he was drunk tell when somebody's, talking to you on the phone and and they're drunk they're just not their words are slurred and I uh, and he was like telling me about all this how great it was that you know our friendship when we worked together and all this stuff and I uh, then you know one why did you fall off the wagon if if this faith in Messiah or your what you call Jesus uh, saved you and rescued from that, but you fall off the wagon because, and one of the statements that he had made to me was, um, I'm leaving the, uh, Christianity and I'm just going back to my native American roots is what he said. And so that's kind of what, you know, just time going by. And I was, you know, just thinking about him and having a little bit of concern. And so I reached out, I uh, reached out to him and just interesting how people continually convince themselves, even after they know that somehow they're accept Jesus as Lord and savior. And, you know, my family's blessed and my uh, life is blessed and all. And it's like, you just telling yourself lies in order to convince yourself that you're okay and you're comfortable because maybe now you found a little bit of reprieve. And the shame is, <clears throat> is that the cognitive dissonance that we've talked about just sets in. And in a conversation, why would you get frustrated and angry with somebody just giving simple questions about your faith because uh, that's what happened and I get this message done like 
I'm not talking to you. And I'm like, and the message back was simply, you, you don't want to talk anymore because you can't give a good answer for the faith that you have. And why, if you have this great, such a great saving faith, then why would any of the conversation upset you, get you mad? One of the questions was, are you judging grace? You know, that was the first question back when I asked about the, the sin. Are you judging grace? And my response was, absolutely. Because Paul said, we don't judge those outside the church. Leave that in God's hands. People who don't care about God, don't uh, want to talk about things of God, leave them alone. Don't, don't stick this in their face and try to rub it in and make them accept what you have. But those who claim faith in God, those who are inside, we are to judge those. Why? Well, Paul spoke about all the, uh, the false teachers that were around in his day. Messiah in Matthew chapter 24 talks about all the false prophets that are going to come in the future that are here and alive and well today. More false prophets that are going to deceive people because they're going to want the easy way. They're going to want to feel good. And in order to feel good, you have to sit there and continually tell yourself lies over and over again to make yourself feel like you're okay because you know the pending outcome of not being okay, which is condemnation. And so it's just... Uh, really important because my when I contacted him, my intention was absolutely for uh, loving him, doing what was best for him to help him, you know, just to see. And one of the things was, well, see where he's at. Well, I know because I did end the conversation with, you know, I'm not going to contact you. You know, when when you are back down in the pit, in what you call faith again, if you want to call or you want to, you want to talk, I'm always open to it, but I'm not going to uh, pursue and go after because at this point he doesn't want it. He wants to continue to live within the lie. And, you know, this is somebody who would take on job sites and he would be like, really trying to push the religious perspective on people and, you know, and really try to make them feel bad about who they were and what they, what it was all about. But then when it comes down to him, he wouldn't accept it. And so it's just, that's just uh, one aspect that just recently happened. And all of the false prophets, all of the false teaching that is out there, there's a ton of it. It's all over the internet. You have various different uh, people speaking uh, heresy against God in the pretense that they're 
with God and they couldn't be any farther away than where they are because what they speak about is lies and it doesn't line up with the Bible. It doesn't line up with the truth of God and it doesn't line up with the church that Messiah started that these are the things that you should be doing. And you should not feel uh, intimidated or ashamed to challenge somebody in their faith because if they choose to claim God being on their side, then they choose to open up the door for you to ask them questions and put them in a spot. And people don't mind the simple, the easy questions. But it's interesting because the question about sin, he knows the answer. And he, But in his mind, there's a good chance that he knows that, well, if I say I don't sin, then uh, certainly that's going to that's going to be arrogant, and I really I I I do, but I don't want to profess that because I know the Bible says in Him there is no sin, and so the the best thing is well, I'm just going to avoid asking the the answering the question, you know, just like the Pharisees when Messiah said, "Okay, I'll answer your question, but answer me this first. and it's so interesting because he posed several questions and I answered every single one of his questions. I didn't shy down or, or, or back away. And no, I, I answered the questions because I'm in a position to always give a good answer. And sometimes a good answer is, well, I don't know about that. I haven't looked into it, but I will look into it just to see uh, so that I can understand. Uh, and a, another aspect that was said was, uh, are you judging me? Don't judge me. I don't judge you. And again, if we're talking about people who are not claiming faith in God, then don't judge them. And people take it, Messiah's words, what he spoke when he said, judge not, least you be judged. He wasn't telling you don't judge because he knows that you can't go through life without making judgments. His objective was make right judgments, be careful how you judge, because it will be measured back to you. If you judge somebody with fairness, rightness, and justice, then God will treat you with fairness, righteousness, and justice. But if you judge them out of selfishness, then you're going to get that return back to you. And so it's just interesting to me why people who claim faith in God will always end up running away from the conversation because they can't give a good answer for the faith that they have. I mean, and this isn't the first time I've approach this, you know, having uh, a brother that's, well, you think you corner the market on this? Uh, no, but I do know that what we're, what we're following is right and true. And it's not about cornering the market because Messiah said that the love of most is going to grow cold. 
So there's only only going to be uh, few that enter into the kingdom, and people just they don't want to listen to the words of Messiah and follow them. You know, chapter 24 of Matthew is a good place to see what's going to happen in these times that we're in, coming out of the mouth of Messiah. And so this is uh, this is part of what prompted after the conversation, just having conversation with Mother, the Spirit, and coming to the conclusion that uh, this would just be a, a good thing for people to recognize and understand, uh, not so much for us, but to recognize that when you claim faith in God, the Word of God says that you must be prepared to give a good answer. And if you have true faith in God, you will have no problem with anybody challenging you, with you giving the straight answer forward, and if by chance somebody's able to prove that you misunderstood something, then that just gives you an opportunity to learn and grow that much more. But to hide, to back away, and to get out of a conversation because you're not comfortable is not faith in God, and it's not the way that God wants you to carry yourself in faith because there's supposed to be a confidence that you have in faith, that you have this confidence, this, this uh, hope as an anchor for your soul. And if you have, if what you have is an anchor for your soul, it doesn't matter if somebody comes to you yelling and screaming striking you, it doesn't matter because you know what the truth is and the truth has set you free that you don't have to worry about what they're saying or how they're saying it. As is the truth of God that there's so many things that we could talk about and branch off from this. And I actually recently had a conversation just like you on the phone for about an hour or so with my sister and we were talking about things like this and she actually brought up something and I had an opportunity to give a good answer. And it, what was interesting was that she said, well, she talked about Paul and the thorn in the flesh and she said, well, you know, we're, we really don't know what that is. So, and right when I heard that, I said, well, I can tell you what it is. And then I went into an explanation of it and then, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting it, but just I'm not getting this and and stuff like that. And whatever question she would pose back, it was just like you that it was an an immediate answer right back and going into detail. And and that's the thing is that the something that stood out to me is is that always be prepared to give a good answer for the hope that lies within you. And when you mention hope as an anchor. Hope is about what is sure, and the things that we are to hope in are the things of Yah. We're not to hope in things in the world because things in the world are going to fail. Things in the world are not going to go 
the way that you want them to go all the time. So the hope is in God because everything that they do in their truth is they're going to do what they say. Whatever promise that they say they're going to do, as long as you fulfill your part, they will do their part. So that hope is the hope of salvation locked in and secure. So if you know it, because if you have hope in something, you know what's going to happen, you would have no issue having a conversation. Now, we still deal with things in our lower conscience that come up, and we may feel something, and all right, well, we need to deal with that. But when it comes to the truth of God, just like when this person is, and they may say it is like they're coming at you, which they're coming at you, but we do what Messiah did. We speak with authority. Authority means you're the author, meaning that if you're the one, like meaning Yah is the author of this truth, they know what they're doing and they pass it to us and we believe in it, act upon it, and then we become walking in the truth that we have faith in them. And it's as we present this truth that we present what we know. And we were even told by Yah specifically to speak what you know, and not only just speak what you know, but know what you speak. And the thing is, if you know something, there's going to be passion in it because passion comes from knowing with conviction that, you know, this is true. You know, this is the best. And, and I've even remember seeing this. If you see somebody speaking with passion, you can tell that they know what they're talking about. You don't have to question. And it's the same with Yeshua that people marveled that he spoke with authority because when he spoke, he wasn't, well, I think, um, I feel, no, he, he spoke the truth just like in the reading of this scripture, this scripture is fulfilled. What do you mean it's fulfilled? I, I just told you in the reading of this, this scripture is fulfilled. I don't need to add to it. Now you want to ask me questions? We can ask questions, but it's taking a stand. It's just like it. you mentioned the word challenge because I used to watch pro wrestling years ago that you have the champion and you have the challenger. Well, the challenger you know, I want to come at you because I want to prove that I can overtake you. Well, all right, you have a challenge. Come at me. You know, you have a question. Come at me. I'm going to show you that I know what I'm talking about. Let, let's let's wrestle with this. Let, let's figure this out. But when you don't have that solid ground, which is the truth to stand on, you're going to have a shaky foundation and people don't like that feeling. And And we've been there before. I mean, this isn't, we're talking about this because we've been through this. We know that we, we didn't know the answer to things and, and you do back away because you don't want to be wrong. And, you know, we even have in the beginning of the Bible that, you know, the sacrificial system being in place that Cain brought a sacrifice and his head was downcast because he didn't think that he got the credit for it that he thought he deserved. And Yah was looking at him and said, Cain, why is your head down? I mean, if you're doing what is right, then there's no reason to keep your head down. Just like this guy you were talking to, why is his head going down? Because I just, I don't want, I'm, I know I'm wrong and I don't, I don't want to be wrong. So I'll just back away. And what God is saying is, is that you want to be at that place where you have that peace that's beyond all understanding, find the place to do what is right and continually do that. And then there's no reason to back away because even if you don't know an answer to a question, what's doing, what's giving a good answer you know what, that question that you gave me, I honestly don't know the answer. So I'm going to look into that and talk to God and then we can talk later. Well, that's a good answer. But what, what happens is, is because, and we've had this before, there were some 
programs that we would listen to on the radio that would have people answering questions and they would give an answer. But we can give answers to questions, but my goal is, is to give a good answer, which is a functional answer that can really help people. But we could give an answer. If somebody asks a question, we can give an answer. But what good is an answer if it's not the truth of God? It just You're just giving an answer to prove that you can give an answer. And instead of, you know what? I don't know this answer, and but I don't want to let the people know that I don't know it, so I'll just give an answer and just keep on and on about it. And no, I'm not going to do that. If I don't know an answer, I'm going to honestly say I don't know and look into it because then I can challenge myself to learn and grow. But getting back to what you said about what's the problem, and, and you hit it right on the head because I had this going through my mind. It's the brainwashing, the mind control. It's the cognitive dissonance. And the same thing happened in the conversation I had that, you know, everything is going along and then you, you say something and then you get that maybe two or three second silence. And then, so you're, and you get that, you know, back to you was so this, and I'll say something, well, well, but I have been doing that. And well, I didn't say that you haven't been doing whatever I said, but why are you coming back? Because all oh, you're saying that I didn't, cause your conscience is saying, you know, you're not doing that and you've got to, and it, it kind of came around to, well, yeah, it's just semantics. It's just, you're saying this. And, and I said, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that this isn't the same faith. Well, it is. And then, you know, it gets to that similar to it that, well, you know, we've been on the phone time to go or, or whatever. And, you know, I said, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation. And then you get that text back. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. But then it's been, you know, a week or so. And, and I thought in my mind, you know what, I mean, it's possible that we could talk again, but likely we're probably not going to talk for a while because it'll, the, the dissonance will, will set in or, or the conversation will go, well, did you, this conversation I had with Sean and then, yeah, but it just kind of went, you know, all in that extreme side that he's just on the extreme side or, you know, Phil, he's just on the extreme side of Judaism. Now you're just, you just take a little bit too far. And how could we take it too far that what that's saying is, is that, well, it's just too extreme for me or, you know, that's crazy or, or whatnot. And, and I've gotten that before that, you know, you can't judge me. Yeah, I can judge you because you're judging me by saying you can't judge me. Well, that's exactly right. You're, we're not in the seat of Abba to where we don't determine, all right, you're going to the abyss. You're going, no, we're not. Then that means that we're judging the law and no, we're not here to judge the law. Cause if we judge the law, then we're not abiding in the law that that's in, in Yah's hands. They, they, they determine that. So we just, we uphold the law, but it is, it's the, the problem is the programming of the world. Uh, people don't want to be challenged because if you're challenged, that means you're out of your comfort zone and places that we've been and still work through things in our lower conscience. But yeah, this is the, the thing with this podcast that those that are tuning in that, that will, will be different. Well, the podcasts that are led by Yah will be just like this, that they will speak the truth. But if it's not, you're going to get opinions, you're going to get the feelings and different things like that. So if you're really wanting to listen to this and really know the truth of God, the, the truth of God is not the easy path. It's not an easy button. And it is called a narrow path for a reason because few do find it because most people want the Broadway, which is 
you get to do what you want. You can continue to sin and be comfortable in it. And you have to take a stand and be willing to be wrong. And that's the thing is the person you talk to, is he really willing to be wrong right now? No, he's not. Because if he was, why would you say done? Okay, so you're saying that you know the truth of God, but you're done in this conversation for what reason? Because we've spoken about every possible thing that could ever be spoken of, and of course not. But but the thing is, he doesn't recognize that. He doesn't recognize the cognitive dissonance. He's just, it's his programming that says, oh, so you're saying that God's the one that saved us, so you're judging God for, no, I'm not judging God, but I'm judging what you say because the the same Bible or the truth that you claim to have says, are we not supposed to judge those inside the church? Well, you're the one that's claiming faith. If you're claiming it, then why do you have a problem? Like, what's the problem? What is the problem with you giving a good answer? And the truth is, is that if you don't know the truth, then it's on shifting sand and you're tossed back and forth and you don't know, you think you know, and there's a difference between knowing and thinking that you know. And people get into that, and and that's one of the topics that we'll always come back to is the brainwashing and the mind control and the cognitive dissonance because this is such a huge issue. The psychology of the mind, it plays such a huge role in this, the the programming of the world. And you got to be willing, just like Messiah, you've got to overcome the world. You've got to either you've got to be in the world or you've got to find your place to be in the world, but not of the world, but you must find the true faith in order to take a stand against these things. And I mean, I could even see if you were face to face with this person that you would watch the body language and there would be, well, you know, I got to go or they would get distracted. And, but I've been in the same thing, but if you know what you're talking about and you're rooted in it, like you said, being an anchor, there's no reason to run and hide. And because this isn't our truth anyway. It's God's truth. And whatever they want us to say, we'll say. You know, just like the song we listened to recently, where you go, I'll go. Who you serve, I'll serve. I will follow you. And But yeah, we've been on this journey for quite a while. And and that's the thing is people, and that's why we encourage people, if you want to ask a question or send us uh, something on Facebook, that we're not going to sit here and run from questions. There's not something you can bring up that we're going to be like, oh, no, that's too controversial. Well, if it's the truth of God, it's not controversial. It's just people make it controversial because they don't understand the truth. So, yeah, that, that's what was on my mind. But, yeah, these conversations will continue to have. But there is definitely a difference between having a conversation with somebody that really knows what they're talking about and those that, you know, just think that they do. Yeah, and for anybody who's listening, seeking God with all of your heart, and you want to know the things of God, challenge everything. Make it line up with the truth of God. This is part of why it's so important for us to be able to have a personal relationship with God where you can speak to them ask them questions, and then hear them answer you. Not feel them answer you, but hear them answer you in distinct answers and giving you help. And so 
with what we're doing with the podcast is that we are not sitting here saying you have to listen to everything we say and do what we say. No, this is the beauty part about what is going on here is that we want you to challenge it. We want you to be able to be comfortable with your faith so that you know without doubt, without fail, that your faith is set, secure, and you are able to answer without getting a rise or without getting uncomfortable because somebody asked you a specific question. And I go back to the guy who I was talking to, and one of the statements in a message he sent was, are you lost? And I was like, I've never been so found in my life than where I am now. But here's, here's what gets me, is that you make a statement as though, you know, are you lost? Does that mean you're saying, well, you're lost, you don't know what you're talking about. But if I am, what help are you to me for you to shut me down, slam the door in my face, and done, not, not, I'm not talking to you anymore, done, you know, it's kind of like the little kid on the playground who doesn't get his way, he gets a little pouty temper tantrum, and I'm taking my ball and bat and going home, and people will do that, but where's your compassion for me? Where's your compassion to sit there and talk it out? so that you can set me straight, so that you can help me to see the light that obviously you have because you're professing it. But no, you go running and hiding behind, you know, well, you don't know what you're talking about. How can you reach people in the world if that's your attitude when somebody questions you? Because people in the world, if they start looking into the things of God, they're going to have questions and they may ask you because, well, okay, well, you say you have this faith, you're a Christian, but you're telling me that I need to get away from sin. Do you sin? Well, how are you going to answer that question? Because you're telling them they need to get away from sin, but you still sin and you know you do. So your answer to that question has to be, Yes, but then they put the lie to it. Oh, that's what Jesus died on the cross for. But you still sin, and I still sin. And I'm looking at this from the perspective of somebody on the outside who's never uh, sought faith in God, and they decided they're going to look into it. And you're telling them that they're a sinner and they need to be saved and they need to do this except Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're going to come back with questions of, well, do you sin? You know, whatever the question is, you must be prepared to give a good answer and not just go run and hide in a hole. And truly, if you don't know the answer to the question, that's a different, that's a different thing we're talking about. If you know the answer to the question, then answer it. If you don't, then you can say, look, I really don't know the answer to that question, but I'm going to dig into it. I'm going to uh, look to figure it out. You know, 
with the whole thing of, well, don't judge me and I won't judge you. Well, he goes around judging people by him trying to get them to follow Jesus by accepting as Lord and Savior. Well, what's the difference? So when you just, just always be prepared to give a good answer, and that means that you have to dig in. You have to know and be sure of what you know, and that means you have to clarify and verify. And until you know with 100% absolution, not think you know, but you know with absolution, you will be able to give a good answer, and you will not have a problem because you know it. And if something comes along and you feel a rise that you're being challenged, then that's a good thing for you to go evaluate, you know, well, why am I feeling like this? Well, why do I feel like this? Because if you're going to ask me if I'm lost, but then you're going to shut down the conversation because I ask you if you sin and you won't give an answer for that question, why would you not give an answer to the question? If you didn't, if you knew that you didn't sin or you did sin because you don't want to face the reality and have to answer for, yes, I sin. Well, the Bible says in him there is no sin. And people who know that's in the Bible will avoid answering that question because if they say they don't sin, then... They know they're lying because they haven't walked the journey to circumcision of the heart to have the sin removed. And so, well, I can't lie. I'm not supposed to lie. So, well, I'm just not going to talk about it. So the reality for people who are truly seeking God with all of your heart, be okay with the challenge. I, I, I'd be perfectly fine with somebody challenging what I believe and what I speak about. You know, there's a difference between, you. well, you guys said this and, um, well, I don't think that's right or, you know, how do you explain that? That's one thing. But, you know, a lot of times people be like, well, what you're saying is wrong and not give any kind of question so that you can give the good answer because, in a situation like that, they don't want the good answer. They just want, they want to feel comfortable that what they think they believe is true, but they don't want to have to answer for it. So I'm just going to tell you wrong. That way we just shut down the conversation. And when it comes to faith stuff and somebody's asking questions about faith because they want to know and you shut them down because they're being straightforward and honest and they're putting you on the spot and giving you questions that you know that either you don't want to answer because you know that you're wrong or you just truly don't know the answer to it and so you go to avoidance rather than no let's figure this out let's talk this out let's have a socratic conversation about it and 
why now in cases of arguments then we should end a conversation that eh, I'm not going to argue about it you know this is the truth and this is this is what it is and so we don't need to talk anymore but if you want to talk without arguing and you want to have Socratic conversation, well, let's do that. I mean, because there's a lot of people in the world who might want to know things about a faith in God, but avoid asking because they feel like they're going to be judged by those who are in the church. And that's what I find so interesting is Many people in the church will spend their time judging those who are not who are not in the church and spend no time judging themselves. It, yeah, they'll judge other people in the church, but they won't judge themselves. They won't look at themselves and be absolutely sure that this is what I know and this is what I'm going to follow. And I can give a good answer. And so one of the the biggest things for me is that if you listen to this podcast and you hear things that we say, don't shut them down right away because there's a chance cognitive dissonance will come in and seek it out. Don't just believe what we say, even if it sounds good or it sounds right. Don't just believe what we say, but verify it through the word of God, verify it through the reality of truth of God, and then verify it with Yah themselves, and you will be sure 100% about the faith that you have. Something that we had talked about on one of the podcasts many months ago was about the Bible, that the Bible is for the unbeliever. And once you believe in God, then you transition to the word of God, which we still use the Bible, but the dependency is not on the Bible. It's on the word of God, which the word of God, uh, some of it is in the Bible, but the word of God is translated. Excuse me. The Bible is translated. Um, and we have the word of God, which is translated by mother. Um, Yeshua and Abba. And when you've been programmed with the programming of whatever religion you're in, you know, Christianity, um, Islam, whatever it is, that we actually talked about this recently, that there's truth in every aspect of religions, but Messiah is the one that is the way, the truth, and the life, that it's all found in him to where there'll be bits and pieces, but that's the reason for seeking with all your heart is to put it all together and find the way, because there's only one way to the kingdom of heaven, and that's through Yeshua. And actually, really through all three, but through Yeshua, you make your way to the kingdom. And if you don't, it's just like anything that, and this just makes me chuckle inside a little bit that we had talked about this, that you go to a dentist, and you're going to a dentist to get a root canal, like a real, you know, like a major surgery. And you go in and the dentist is sitting there and he's got just shelves and shelves of uh, rock candy and 
all these different candies and he has no teeth, his teeth are rotted out. And you're like, yeah, come on in. I'll be, I'll work on your teeth. And you would think, no, you don't, I'm not coming to you. You don't even take care of your own teeth. You don't even know what you're doing. I'm not, I'm not having you work on my teeth because you've got your teeth are rotted out. And no, I want somebody that's going to have the healthy teeth because that's what I want. But that's what happens is you, you go to somebody that's supposed to know, and then they themselves don't even know. So how can you, you can't help each other. And Messiah even talked about this, that if you have two blind people, that both of them fall in the pit, you need somebody to be able to see to help you from falling in the pit. And what does it help anybody if you're just giving an answer that doesn't help you or the other person? You know, find the place where you know the answer and that not only do you, if you really know the answer, then you need to apply it to yourself first before you look to apply it to somebody else. And if somebody has a question for the podcast and you ask that we're going to be able to give a good answer because it's not going to be our truth that we're giving an answer. It's going to be God's truth. And, you know, there are no questions that are unable to be answered. Now there are questions that we will not answer, but there are all questions can be answered because Yah has the answers. But I even Messiah himself, when they asked him a question, you know, then answer me this. And then they didn't answer. And he said, well, I'm not going to answer you. So somebody may say, oh, well, you're just avoiding a question because you don't want to answer. No, no, because even Messiah himself, the answer was, I'm not going to answer you on this. So that's a good answer because you're not willing to listen and answer my question because I know what you're doing. You're attempting to trap me and I'm not going to let you get away with this. You're going to answer. So instead of just giving answers to people on what you think and what you have an opinion on, make sure that more and more that if somebody asks a question about faith, that you give a good answer, not just what you think, because we will still give opinions, but when it comes to faith and, and yeah, it's about giving truth, which there is no opinion in truth. Right. And could you clarify, I uh, just for anybody who's, uh, might be listening or listening at a later date that you made a statement that there are questions that we won't answer. Would you clarify that just a little bit? Sure. Meaning that sometimes people will bring questions about, let's just say baptism, for example. And we may say, you know what, right now we're not going to answer that right now because we're going to get into something else. So let me change my, it's not that we will refuse to answer it's just there's times that there's a greater truth or some kind of foundational understanding that you would need to have first in order to be able to get into it. Like if somebody said, well, explain the New Jerusalem and the layers, and how does that work? Well, we're not going to answer that right now because there's a deeper understanding that you need to know in order to be able to understand any information that would be given. Um, thank you for the clarification, because it's not that we're not refusing to answer. Like, no, I'm not answering that, you know, kind of like that kid on the playground. But a lot of times a question that would come, if you just give the absolute truth of it, it's not going to be beneficial for that person. Um, and just going back to baptism, let's say, well, explain baptism to me. Okay, well, let's get into some other information before we get into that, because just like with, for example, let's talk about brainwashing and mind control first, because then you understand why are you not accepting what's been said because you don't see that there's something else going on 
or this and that. So yeah, this is, we're open to any questions, but sometimes we'll say for the moment, we're not going to answer that because you're not going to be able to understand it at this moment. So we're not, what benefit is it to give you an answer that you're not going to get? Let, let's go back to give you foundational truth so that you can then have the tools to be able to understand. And we have a scriptural reference to that with Messiah himself. Uh, when he's speaking about parables and he's giving them parables and he makes a statement, if I speak to you of earthly things and you do not understand, you cannot understand spiritual things. You, you, that's why he used parables was to get you to correlate from the earthly perspective. Wow, okay, okay, now you can tie that to the spiritual perspective. But if I just tell you spiritual things, uh, when you're not in a position to be able to receive them <clears throat> because they're spiritually discerned, then we're just wasting time in going into those things. But like you said, it's not a matter that we uh, eventually, if you continue to seek with all of your heart, eventually that question will be answered. Now, again, we won't answer a question that we don't know the answer to because that's even worse than, you know, it, it, well, it's just worse because we want to be able to give a good answer, but a good answer sometimes is I can't answer that question that I'm just not able to answer that right now. So, but, but. I'm going to look into it. I'm going to dig into it and I'm going to seek to figure out how uh, I can answer this question. Uh, and, you know, if it's a question that's not pertinent to faith, it really doesn't matter if it gets answered anyway. The objective goal here is that you're able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. And we do have to be discerning as to who we're talking to, what we're, what we're saying. It's like the guy I was talking to on the phone. He has no idea. We talk about, uh, the spirit as being mother, the female aspect of God. And I am convinced that if that would have even been brought up, then that would have been another, uh, conversation ending aspect. Oh, you're just crazy. You don't know, you know, that it's like, why won't you talk about it? Why won't you evaluate it? Well, it goes back to the the very beginning of the podcast. What's the problem? Well, part of the problem is dependency on the Bible and not on the spirit of, yeah, on mother. Because I could almost see this. Well, the Bible says, all right, what does the Bible say? Well, it says when he, okay. Well, let's get into that. So what's the translation here? Greek? Well, Greek, um, if I remember right, it doesn't specify um, either one. So they just put he in there. Could be just for the time that, you know, the male dominant or whatever that we just put he in there. Well, but is that really the intent of Paul's writing in there? Because if you have a conversation with Paul, what would Paul say? Well, you know, but the Bible says, okay, well, but your dependency is on the Bible, but then you take part of the Bible 
and rip it out where Hebrews doesn't exist other than Hebrews 11, which feels good because that's the faith chapter. Well, that's for the, for the Jews. Well, it is for the Jews, the, the Israel of God. So you either have to accept all of it or none of it. You like the old Testament. Well, the old Testament is is old and, and it's for the Jews. Well, it's the word of God and it's written there. So why would God just disregard all those things? You just disregard it because you don't understand it or you don't want to deal with it because you're going to be challenged. Well, tell me how is the old Testament? Like if we were to, let's just say Christianity, tell me how the old Testament is relevant now. And an, a possible answer could be, well, it's not relevant because with Jesus, we have the new Testament. Okay. But what about all the writing in the old Testament about the servant that's going to come that Moses spoke about that you must listen to him. And you know, what about Messiah reigning for a thousand years? Well, how does that work? And, and that's the thing is it's, it's either you accept all of it or you accept none of it. Cause this isn't about picking and choosing just because you don't accept something. If you don't accept something of God, then you're not walking in repentance because repentance isn't just a full turn to God. It's, a willingness to accept everything that they are because I'm willing to accept it all, no matter if I understand it all or not, because you are God, you understand it. And I'm going to trust in you no matter, you know, what happens in the situation. And there's so many problems (laughs) because think about it. If you have a question, then that's a problem because you want the answer. But how bad do you want to know the answer? Do you really want to know it? Or you just want to know what you think the answer is? Because you could go to God and say, well, God, you know, answer me this. And I could see them. Do you really want this answer? Yeah, I want it. Okay. All right, we're going to give it to you. Brace yourself because you're just like with Job that you're going to answer me. All right, Job, I'm going to show you that that you don't know, you don't understand what you're doing right now. And I'm going to make it clear what you don't know. And then, you know, Yah given answering Job's or giving Job situations that he couldn't answer. And then he just ultimately, yeah, you're God. I'm not. And I repent of this. I mean, that's ultimately, yeah, is true. And if anybody's going to be a liar, it's going to be on our side. It's not going to be on Yah. So if it's something that's not, that's going to be fallible in this, it would be us. But our trust is in Yah to where just like, mother brought it to me that are you prepared to give a good answer for something that you just said Uh, just thought of that that she gave opportunity to okay well could you clarify that a little bit because you said this and done wait a minute so you're you just said that but you're not willing to clarify to no i'm done no that's a problem (laughs) because well could you clarify i don't understand yeah i'll answer that I'm, i'm not gonna you know, think about it. What reason were there be to run from anything? Are you running from punishment because you're wrong? And that means punishment and that means condemnation. And that means the abyss. And so it all goes back to fear of punishment because, well, if I'm wrong, then I'm going to be wrong and I'm going to, then I'm going to be condemned and then I'm going to end up in the abyss. So it still goes back to punishment again. Cause why would he say done? Well, I don't want to be punished because I don't know the answer. Yeah, but perfect love drives out fear. Right. And if somebody's coming with arguments and being upset, that's also a time where where we'll, you know, we'll stop uh, the conversation. And now I'm not going to answer that because you're not ready for it. But if you find that place, 
of humility before God and you want to have a Socratic conversation about it, then we can do that. That's, that's not an issue. It's not a problem at all. And it's interesting because the Old Testament gets written off by people who claim faith in God in this day and age. Um, but the Old Testament is the foundation for the New Testament. The Old Testament is the worldly that Messiah, when Messiah said, if I speak to you of worldly things and you don't understand, how can you understand spiritual things? So the Old Covenant is from the worldly perspective so that you can understand from a worldly perspective that God does not play and they're not going to put up with your, your stuff and you better fear them. When you understand that, then that opens you up to the spiritual aspect to understand the New Testament. But if you're in the New Testament and you, and you can say, well, I don't understand the things in the Old Testament. Well, one or two and here and there when it feels good, but these other things I don't, I don't understand. Then how can you understand the New Testament? Because what actually what happens is the Old Testament is set there for people to understand who God is and to be positioned to understand that you need to fear God because they're the one in control of whether you end up in heaven or hell, meaning that they will put you in your perspective place. You choose where you're going to end up, uh, but they will then enforce that in the end. And so the whole objective goal of the Old Testament is for you to go through it and see God as a terror and put yourself in the position that was in opposition to God that got the consequence that they got so that you can recognize that you need to fear God. And when you fear God, then you have the opportunity to surrender. And then when you surrender, that will put you in an aspect of obligation to God until you see and taste that the Lord is good. And then there's no more obligation because you've transformed that to, no, I want to do these things because I know that they're right, they're fair, they're just, they are the right way to do it, and that's what I'm going to do. And so when people write off the Old Testament or they say, well, I don't understand the Old Testament. Well, that's a problem if you're claiming faith in Messiah because all of the New Testament writers referenced the Old Testament. Why? Because now they're, they're bringing you back from a spiritual perspective to understand the law and what the law is for and why it's there and how you get away from it and all these things. They referenced that. Why? Because they understood first that the original, the law within itself was good from God and it was something that they needed to uh, follow and abide in in God's truth. And from, you know, in the New Testament, we have this talking about the spirit, which is uh, he, and it's, it's translated to he and he and he. And the reason it's translated to he is because it went through, it went from the Hebrew to the Greek to the English. And in the Greek, there's not the gender specific uh, setup like there is in the Hebrew. 
and uh, so it's just important, you know, and if you don't know the Old Testament, then how can you know the New Testament when it talks about, well, the Spirit's He, except we have in Proverbs specifics that clarify that there's a she involved with the unity of God. It, it, it's an absolute. When it says wisdom, our wisdom was at his side at the creation. And then in uh, chapter 8 of Proverbs, and I happen to have my Bible today, and I'll just read this. Uh, and this is why, you know, it's so important to look into it in depthly and then have the conversation with God and verify because there's a lot of people I'm convinced that will hear us talking on this podcast and they will hear us reference the spirit as she, as mother, as the female aspect of God. And they will done, done. Nope. That's all I needed to hear done without checking and verifying to see is there some sort of uh, plausibility to what's being said? Let me dig into it and look, because just a short section here in Proverbs chapter 8, it's talking about wisdom and wisdom's call. And it says, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice at the height, at the highest points along the way where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city and at the entrance. She cries aloud to you, O people. I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. And so that within itself is telling you that wisdom, the wisdom of God, is female, and I I understand that it might be difficult for somebody who has been programmed that the spirit is a he, but go back to the original creation of man, and when God said, let us make mankind in our image. Okay, one, that removes the singular aspect of God meaning that it's only one entity that's filling all the all three parts in it. Now, let us, okay, God's not schizophrenic, so they're not talking uh, to themselves as one individual person. No, let us make mankind in our image. So in the image of God, they created them. That's it. No. They created them male and female. In the image of God, they were created. And we shut the door, or people have shut the door, and I and until it was revealed to us, not realizing that the spirit was female, because you've always been told your whole life that that the spirit is a male. But it makes so much sense with the creation story with that were created in their image. And if mankind has male and female and we have offspring, then 
God is male and female who had an offspring, which was Messiah. And of course, Messiah being God and man, what he was when he was here, he had the blood of God in him, but he was fully man at that point. He did not become fully God until he entered into the kingdom. It was, and it would have been impossible for him to be fully God to lead the way for us if he did not have the precious blood of Abba and Ema, father and mother, in him, then that's the precious blood that was shed. So it was God's blood that was poured out on the altar in human form so that Messiah could enter into the kingdom and then give us the ability that when we walk as he did, that we can enter into that kingdom. But see, what's awesome about this is Hebrews explains what you're just, well, Mother explains in the book of Hebrews that exact thing. And it just came to mind that that is when Messiah gave his life on the cross that the re- that it just clicked in my mind that that's the blood that was the heavenly things were purified with greater sacrifice so that once we're in him, we partake of, we're adopted as children that we take on, like we have the blood within us. That's the blood of Messiah that we're able to walk around on this earth um, in Messiah that we're his body here on earth. But that just, I was like, wow, that just clicked because that's the blood that purified the heavenly with greater, which was a greater sacrifice so that ours is accepted. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but I was like, wow. And what you just read in Proverbs, I just had a picture where it says that mother stands at the crossroads of the paths. And I was like, wow, so wait a minute. You've got the old covenant and the new, and she's standing at the crossroads to the city. So I was like, wow, when you enter into her, you can now make it back to the city. So she's standing on the corner crying out to where people know that you're condemned, you need to change. But then she still cries out, but she's at the crossroads. So that mother's the one that's standing there watching. And, you know, how long are you going to be in your foolish ways, you simple ones? And then, all right, well, now you're on this side that make sure you continue in what you're doing. So she's standing there always, um, you know, calling out and, and stuff like that. But that's just because you can get revelation from just hearing, you know, the word of God. And um, I was just sitting there thinking that, wow, that it gives the, the old Testament is the heavenly coming to the earth. And then the new Testament is taking that earthly and getting it back to the spiritual. So you have, Yah brings the law. So I'm bringing the law into the physical. So I'm giving you the, the two stone tablets that, which talks about the sin, uh, the um, law being written on your heart. So you have the stone tablets, you have the stone over your heart because of sin. And then now it's going to transfer to where the spirit will be in your heart. And then you can return you know, if you don't understand the things in the physical, you cannot understand the spiritual things. So I'm going to give you, the Old Testament is giving you what you need to understand Messiah's work. So if you don't understand the Old Testament, you're not going to understand why he's here. And that's why the problem is that people don't understand what Yeshua's work was all about because you don't understand the Old Testament. If you understood the Old Testament, then you would realize why didn't they not go into the promised land because of disobedience. So 
who's the one that's going to make it to where you can be obedient to God is going to be the son. So if you claim the son, but then you say, yeah, I sin and he forgives me. Yeah, I sin. Well, then you don't understand the old Testament because they couldn't go into the promised land because of disobedience to God. So find your way away from disobedience because people don't realize this, but you either living a righteous life or a sinful life. There is no living a righteous life and there's sin involved. And that's the thing because how do you know the children of God versus the children of the devil that the one that does what is right is righteous. So you have to, you have to get to a place where you live a righteous life. And that means you've got to find your place to be in Yeshua without, with sin taken out of your heart. And then you can now walk around and being able to be holy and look at the detail in the old Testament about the sacrifices and well, why is it so detailed? Because you don't realize if you were to use that as your righteousness, how much you would have to do to be clean and covered and it and is to get you to, yeah, I'm not able to do that. Help me. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm showing you, do you see how much you would have to do of your own works to be righteous that you can't handle at all? So you've got to, but it doesn't mean you don't attempt. See, that's the thing is, are you going to attempt this or not? Well, I can't do it, but it doesn't matter. I'm still going to. Okay. But then, you know, how can I be righteous instead of just in my mind? How can I be completely righteous? Well, and that's why, you know, the sun comes. But all this information, you know, we've been taught this by Yah. We, we didn't have anybody sit us down in the, in the world and teach us any of this. This was through revelation. This was by Yah showing us these things. And even as we even hear the word of God being read, we can even get more and more information in this. But it's just the the people that are going to find this just like we did is you've got, just got to have that steadfast, gut it out. Um, you got to be willing to put things on. You got to be willing to put what you thought you knew on the shelf and you got to be willing to be challenged because we would have never made it this far if we weren't willing to be challenged because we would have just said, you know, it's just comfortable coming to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and just let me do my thing and and no, because even when you get circumcision of the heart, the lower conscience is that land that there's a lot of land in there that's got to be covered. And it's just going to be a lifetime of just dealing with things. And because people would think, well, it's easier. Well, it is somewhat easier. But when you're faced with your programming that you didn't recognize is there and things that are coming up that you didn't see, that that it's it's a challenge. It, it's still a challenge. Yeah, and. It's the Old Testament is just as important to us from a faith perspective as the New Testament is. And if it's not, then you can't have faith in God. You, you have to have both. You have to walk through both covenants. You have to come to the covenant agreement with God when it comes to the law and sin and what your mind says, I'm going to be obedient to this. I'm going to do what it says to do because that's what God says. Now, that is an obligated perspective until you find out that, no, I like this. I know that God is right, fair, and just, and so I'm going to follow them. And therefore, you have that transformation over to, no, I want to do these things, and so I'm going to give my all. I'm going to give my full 
commitment to God and to living a right life before God. And when you prove in your mind that that's what you're going to do, then you get the circumcision of the heart, that stone that covers your heart, like you were talking about, gets rolled away. And see, people don't even realize that Messiah's uh, being buried in the tomb is a representation of your life with the sin nature, that you're in that tomb, and there's a stone that covers that tomb, and God is the only one that can roll that stone away. You can be inside that tomb, and you can be uh, crying and pleading and wanting and digging and, and scratching and clawing and trying to get out of that dungeon. But God is the only one that can roll that stone away. And the interesting thing is, is that when the stone is rolled away, you don't leave that house. You start to clean it. In other words, that dungeon that uh, or that tomb now becomes a dwelling place that because, well, wow, I've got a door, enter in and out. I, I can Now I can set this up as a home, and I can come and go, and I can get rid of all the garbage now because without that door being open, without that stone rolled away, You've got piles and piles and piles of garbage that are just kind of like you walk into a hoarder house and they're just garbage to the ceiling and you can't get rid of it. But when you prove that you want to clean that house uh, to God and God says, okay, now we're going to give you circumcision of the heart. We're going to roll that stone away from that tomb. We're going to transfer. It's no longer a tomb. Your subconscious is no longer a tomb which your subconscious is your heart, is no longer a tomb, but now it's a dwelling place, and it's a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. And in order for the Spirit to enter in more and more, you have to be removing more and more of the garbage. No, that's not right. That's not appropriate. I don't agree with it. I'm not doing that again. And then you go through the process of brainwashing uh, yourself, knowing that you're putting in the good things of God and getting rid of the bad things, of the world and of the enemy. And so just uh, very interesting aspects that the Old Testament is just as relevant to us today as the New Testament, and it must be because you have to, you have to have that repentance, which is that covenant agreement with Abba before he will bring you to Messiah. Messiah said, and we've said this before, Messiah said, no one comes to me except drawn by the Father. Well, in order for you to be drawn by the Father, you have to agree with the Old Testament. You have to agree with the Old Testament law that it is right, that it is good, that I should be doing these things, even though you won't be capable of doing it until the sin nature is removed from your heart and placed as the thorn in your body of flesh. And so just really important things as we look into the realities of truth of the Word of God. We want to be able to 
give a good answer. And I can't give a good answer if I write off the Old Testament. I haven't had that covenant agreement with Abba. Well, I cannot. I don't care how much I profess that I've committed myself to Christ and uh, I've, I've done it 15 times or however. I cannot have faith in God if I do not accept the first covenant, if I do not agree with the first covenant and make the attempts with all of my heart to fulfill them, even though I know that I can't fulfill them and I'm not doing it because it's going to get me salvation. I'm doing it because I want to be pleasing to God. And that's why I'm walking in that. Then you get the opportunity to actually be able to fulfill it in the New Testament. And this is why we say that we have the whole Bible for a reason. The New Testament writers reference the Old Testament for a reason. And the reason is, is so that you can understand the worldly, then you can understand the spiritual, and then be able to give a good answer. I had this come to mind, and speaking of the, um, I agree with what you're saying 100% that you must, that because the Word of God is living and active, so the Old Testament is still living and active, like people think that, no, that's the old, like something is old, like we don't, yeah, but how many things do you have in your house that are maybe from the 60s or 70s that are, quote, obsolete that, man, I like this because it's when I was a kid. And, well, to you, it's living and active because you keep bringing it around. So as long as you keep talking about it, the Old Testament is still in place because we were even talking about this when um, we were walking. I was driving you back home that um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we started talking about it. And don't tell me that thing isn't living and active, that you must be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to find faith in the Son, that I don't care what happens to me. I'm not going to bow down to this anymore. I'm So it's the Word is living and active. But I had this come to mind, and I'll read this. This is in John. And I had it come to mind about Lazarus, um, the friend of Yeshua, and this just came to mind, and this is when he had died already, and they said, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And think about how this speaks to what we're just bringing about here. And says, Messiah, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. And think about this with the old, the old ways. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he's been in there for four days. Well, think about the odor of your sin and, and you being in that tomb all those years. Then Yeshua said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Messiah looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. I knew, well, I knew you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Messiah called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Messiah said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And, and uh, that came to mind of, we have prophecy here of circumcision of the heart that in Messiah, and by mother, you know, whoever it is, come out, come out of the tomb now, roll the stone away. And so, and even before that, it said that Messiah wept and it made me think of, wow, like people could say, well, you know, you know, Messiah, he was just, he was human and he felt it. And, 
but it made me think of, remember, that he cried out for Jerusalem, that he had so much wanted to gather him to himself, and but they were not willing on the fact that, you know, that don't you understand that if you don't find your place in me, that you're going to be on the outside and having compassion on the people that I don't want that to happen to you, that make sure that didn't I tell you that you'll see the glory of God and just the glory of God that you can take somebody that's been in sin and in Yeshua that they can be raised from the dead and the tomb can be rolled away. And the once that's rolled away, it's intended that we don't have a record of Messiah going back into the tomb and the rock being rolled back over again. It's no, he's out. And now he's out of the tomb, just like those in him, you're out of the tomb. All right, well, now get to cleaning because there's a lot of odor. There's a lot of things that are in the lower conscience that have an odor that is not that sweet-smelling aroma. So get get rid of the garbage. And that's just coming to me now that there's so much garbage in there that still stinks that, hey, get rid of this trash that's still in here. Because like those hoarding shows that we know that everybody hoards, that you've got piles of trash from your lower conscience that's dysfunctional that, well, just one thing at a time, just but start pitching stuff and get it out. You know, so just there's just so much because Yah's word is living and active that um, unless the only time that we would run out of things to talk about is if we stop talking about things because there's so much out there that we would never run out of anything to talk about. So it's just just neat that from talking about the Old Testament, that even in the New Testament, you can understand the Old Testament aspect is that. The law has been given by God and that tomb is that stone is over your heart and you've got to walk through that and beat against that stone, even willing to kill, put yourself to death, trying to get that stone moved. And Yah sees that you've you're laying in there dead. Okay, well, now we'll move this away and allow you to come out. So just speaks of the sovereignty of Yah and the truth. When it came to my mind, in you know, well, the old testament's not important. Well, if you look into Hebrews, which is a book that's not generally um, taught on uh, in faith circles, where why the warnings in Hebrews and then using the Israelites from the Old Testament and what God did to them as a warning to us, how do you think that you will escape from God, if you don't do the things now, I mean, how much more with, with God's own people, he punished them for disobedience. How much more do you think you deserve to be punished for disobedience? You who not, who are not in the grace and the presence of God, that you disobey God and you're going to pay the price and the penalty for that. And so they're using the old Testament to say, Oh, God is a terror. And you need to correlate both old Testament and new Testament. And they have to go together. And the, the thing about the old Testament is before circumcision of the heart, you want to use the old Testament as the understanding that you're looking for in the old Testament is to understand who God is, what they expect, and what the consequences are for either obedience to them or disobedience, which will drive the fear perspective with God because 
the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And so the whole purpose of the Old Testament at the beginning of your faith is for you to see God and the terror that they can be and for you to fear that. And when you fear that, that will put you in the position to surrender to God. And when you surrender, you will be obligated. No, the, the Bible says I have to do this. I, I'm going to do it. But that's not going to give you salvation because you have to believe in the Son of God. But once you see God as a terror and you repent to Abba under the terrorism perspective, now you can start to, you can, God can take you to Messiah and you can start to walk and learn the obedience that Messiah had. And then you realize that this is good and I like doing this. I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm not doing these things anymore because I have to do them because the Bible says or because God says, no, I'm doing them because I want to be pleasing to God and I want to do that. And then you walk in that aspect of figuring out obedience to God. And then when you've proven your obedience, then you get to move on to the uh, spirit to have that circumcision of the heart. And so, again, going back to you have to have the fullness of faith and the fullness of the baptism, and a baptism isn't complete until you finish all parts. It's kind of like a triathlon, okay? You have a triathlon where they run, swim, and bike, I think it is, okay? So... If you're the front runner in the first leg of it and then you stop, have you finished the race? No, you, you, you have not finished the triathlon. You have to finish all three parts of the triathlon in order for you to be able to say, I finished the triathlon. It's the same concept with the baptism that we talk about with the immersing yourself into repentance with Abba, immersing yourself into obedience with Messiah, and then immersing yourself into trust with Mother. And when you have all three of those, then you have the full aspect of the baptism. You've been immersed because the water baptism here is just a symbol of cleansing of dirt from the body as a symbol of you're being able to clean the inside rather than just clean the outside. And so it's just important to be able to see and recognize and you do your cleansing by cleansing with washing with water through the word. And when we say through the word, we're not just talking about the Bible. We're talking about conversational relationship with God where you're talking to them, they're talking back, they hear you, you hear them, and it is a true conversation so that you're able to understand what they want and then, well, I'm, I want to be pleasing to them, so that's what I'm going to do. And it's just really important that you don't set aside the old covenant uh, for the new, you you let God set 
the old covenant aside. When you've crucified yourself with Messiah, when you've walked as he did, and you've crucified self, you've you've put to death self where now everybody else is more important to you than you. Now you've crucified yourself with Christ, then you have the same avenue and the same things that he had where you can walk as he did. You walk in the life without sin, but you must be able to give a good answer for it. I'm going to piggyback off of what mother gave you about the triathlon. Cause I was like, wow, another great example. Okay. So this came to mind. Have you watched a triathlon? Maybe not the whole thing, but like on TV, sometimes they have them on there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, think about this. All right. So where do you start? You start swimming. So you're on top of the water. Like it made me think of like we had the, you, you kind of do the partial um, immersions until you get to the full. So you, you're swimming. So at the beginning, you're just swimming to start, which swimming is, you need a lot of good endurance to be able to do that. All right. So you get done with the swimming part and then you go to the cycling. And if I remember right, it's like a hundred miles. Like it isn't like it's a, you know, two miles. And so like a couple miles swim, what you would think, man, that would just, I'd be done after that. Well, you have a hundred mile biking, then a 26 mile marathon. And I was just like, wow. So each stage you have to have endurance to make it through all three stages. But like you said, I mean, you've seen people, they'll be kind of crawling and walking wobbly. And, and even if somebody helps them across, I'm going to finish this race. So it doesn't matter if you stop a hundred feet from the line, you didn't finish. So run the race with endurance. So go through all the stages with endurance because you have to have endurance to be able to get it in your mind to, to circumcise your heart, your mind. Okay. Well now we'll go to the biking stage. Well, man, this is, this is a lot. Okay. Well, you made it through that. And then you get to the, um, the running stage and, and all that has an effect on your body. But I want to, as well as something I held on to was I didn't think about Hebrews as it's a coming together of the two covenant explanation. Well, the one covenant, but it, it's in three parts. Like you have all three make up the one contract. Cause I thought about this, that it was a trifold. Well, it's a trifold contract, meaning it's one contract, but there's a, it's in three parts because you have the part to Abba that you agree to. Well, you have to have Messiah and you have to have mother to make it a fully like with NFL right now, a fully guaranteed contract. Cause people want, I want fully guaranteed well, until you finish it and get circumcision of the heart, you don't have fully guaranteed. So once it's signed and sealed and signed, sealed, delivered, a fully guaranteed contract, as long as you fulfill your contract terms, then they will fulfill their terms to where you play five years, then you'll get the full money. But what if you don't play five years? Well, you don't get the full contract. But see, in the world, the, it's a practice in the world to break contracts, but Yah doesn't break their contracts and they don't take that lightly. So make sure that you get the fully guaranteed contract with Yah and the guarantee is eternal life. That's what you will get. And that's why Yah told Daniel that Daniel, you're going to rest, but you'll rise and you'll receive your contractual obligation. Well, it's um, your would be the word it would be your what you're entitled to that you're entitled to eternal life because you fulfilled the contract and now therefore you're entitled to the terms of this fully that just came to mind that like a fully guaranteed contract that's what the the covenant is and so now you start out and and you have to sign and then Abba says okay well now 
I'm going to bring you to my son so that you can sign with him. And then I'll bring you to my spirit. And then, okay, now it's all done. And okay, now um, walk in it. And then it, it's, you know, the, the point of it is that it's a forever contract that it's not supposed to be broken and all that. But yeah, just another beautiful example from Yah triathlon is just another, just another tie, just another thing to see. Well, and also interesting as you were talking, I had this thought come to mind about Hebrews. And when we talk about the need for people to uh, walk in the old Testament first, what purpose would the writer of Hebrews have in speaking about such a great cloud of witnesses and then all the witnesses that were named were all Old Testament people. They were all people in the Old Testament where when we have such a great cloud of witnesses, well, what benefit is that to us if we don't heed and pay attention to what the Old Testament says. So it's really just, that just kind of came to mind, just thinking about the fact that it's talking about all those who walked in the first covenant with Abba, who died before they had an opportunity to walk in covenant, in the covenant with Messiah, but they had the spirit of Messiah in them which was the obedience, which was then what gave them the opportunity to be uh, moved to Abraham's side once they perished, uh, and Messiah finished his work when he went down into the depths of the earth to the dungeons. But we have such a great cloud of witnesses, and this is New Testament writing about this. Why would we set that aside and say, well, we don't need the Old Testament? We don't well, if you don't need the Old Testament, you don't need the old cloud of witnesses. And if you don't need that, then it wouldn't be referenced by the writer of Hebrews that we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Why? So you will walk in the same faith they did and then transfer that to having faith in the Son. And once you have the faith in the Son, then you transfer that to having the faith in the Spirit as well. And that was just something that came to mind when we look at the book of Hebrews, that every book in the Bible is there for a reason. And it's there in Hebrews to show you that there's an importance of following the Old Testament. And even Paul, uh, as if you go through Romans, uh, Paul lays out distinctly the understanding of the law and what the law was for and the and the transformations that take place if you read through Romans Paul gives all the information of the Old Testament perspective of it then the New Testament perspective of it and it's just the original covenant you have to walk in that covenant with Abba you have to agree with Abba that's your repentance that gives you the forgiveness of sins and then Messiah came to take away your sin, which by the obedience to Messiah and the trust in mother, then you have circumcision of the heart, your sins are removed, and therefore you have no more uh, answerability unless you return to sin. And that's why later on in Hebrews it says, if anyone intentionally continues to sin after gaining the knowledge of truth, that there's nothing left but a fearful expectation of fire and judgment, because you are sinning 
you know you're sinning, but you're not getting away from it. And you have to have been enlightened and gained the knowledge of truth in order for that to uh, be a detriment to you in the end. Uh, There's a lot of people that think they've had faith in God, but it's because they've followed what people in the world have told them and believed it rather than to verify against what the word says and then have conversation with Yah so that they can clarify with you what the truth is. Uh, But it's just so important that people understand, you know, what's the problem? Well, there's many problems. Uh, There's a problem of false prophecy. There's a problem of taking the Old Testament and setting it aside because you don't understand it. And so we're just going to do this new thing. Well, you can't do the new thing because the new thing is is an extension of the first. And if you don't understand the first and what it's purpose for, then you can't understand the second. But you sit there and believe people who tell you that you can when it's a lie and it's an impossibility for you to have faith in God and set aside the Old Testament. That's, that's uh, just a fact of Scripture and the Word of God uh, that you must, you must entertain and use each part of the contract for what it's for. Fear God, repent, obey God, trust. And when you've walked through those journeys, you have the fullness of the baptism, the fullness of the immersion. And it's like the unity of God is father, son, and mother all unified together as one God, which is one God, one family that is unified. And you really just, if you dig in the word, you'll see these things. And then you do what the word says, Old Testament, uh, one of the greatest scriptures for me starting my journey was out of the Old Testament. Uh, well, a couple of them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Uh, and then the other, then uh, seek as though you're seeking for hidden treasure. Uh, cry out for insight. Call out for understanding. When you do those things, God will fulfill what they say. You will gain the knowledge of them, but you must do what it says. And so my journey, uh, though on the onset was the pretense of accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, I went back in and started digging. And in the Old Testament, I was seeing things that, one, I didn't understand the Old Testament, but then I picked up things that tell me what I need to do in Proverbs. And when I applied those things, I gained the knowledge and wisdom of God. And I'm nobody special. I'm not some, uh, some, uh, great intellectual from a worldly perspective of, uh, things that, you know, I graduated high school, went to work. That's, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I did. And I, I don't claim to be, uh, this great intelligent uh, person, but with faith, 
I have a great intelligence with it because of mother, not because of me, but because of mother, because with me and my capabilities, I, I would not be able to do it and understand what I can understand now if it wasn't for the work of Abba, Yeshua, and mother. Very important understanding the Old and the New Testament because I was just given this. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you be take heed that you must walk that because you go through the Old Testament, you're willing to obey God no matter what. You walk in that repentance and even the threats of you're going to be thrown in this furnace and you're thrown in the furnace, but there's one like the son of the gods in there, which is given showing that when you're willing to do whatever it takes that you'll be thrown in there, but you'll have Messiah. So Messiah is still there. But think about this. When Messiah says that many people will come to me in that day and now reverse this to where Yeshua is Nebuchadnezzar and he's standing before the furnace and Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things? Didn't I? Get away from me. I never knew you. So now the king is throwing you into the abyss because of you're not getting away from sin and not being fully committed to God. So it reverses roles. So we're given a picture there. Make sure that you come to this as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to where you're willing to give everything for God and even be willing to, to die. And because you'll have help at that point, you'll get thrown in the furnace, but you'll be protected as opposed to in the end you're going to be thrown into the everlasting furnace and you're not going to be protected. So even with the old Testament, we're given information if you're looking for it. And I had this come to mind. Think about the contract that that's why you count the cost because, all right, so Abba gives you the very first part and you read it. Okay. I agree with that. But then Messiah says, well, wait a minute, there's more to the contract. You've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I say to you, love your enemy. Oh, wow. So that's okay. So that's in the contract too, where I'm changing this to it's transferring to a spiritual. So it's a deeper, so understand what you're getting into. And then, you know, I agree with it. Okay. And then we'll, so, so Yah makes it clear each step. So they can't be blamed for if somebody doesn't understand because it's all laid out and you have to come to it in parts. And that's the thing is that with the enemy and the craftiness, well, we'll just take Abba's part out. And we'll just attempt to take you right to the sun. And no, if you don't see God as a terror, you're not going to be able to understand to be able to walk with Yeshua like that. So that that's the craftiness. But with any of this, like we said, that you can come to this. We are not anything special. You know, as the word says, one plants, the other waters. God gives the increase. So Yah will give the understanding. It's not that we're just sitting here and, yeah, you better listen to us because if not, well, if it was about us, then we would be advertising. We would be asking for money. And no, I mean, we, we have plenty from y'all that this isn't for profit of monetary or anything. Uh, this is just like you said, we really want to do this, that to see people that, that you can come to the same knowledge of truth that we have, but you must do your part in order to find it. Yeah. So with the question, What's the problem? The problem is, is you set the Old Testament aside. The problem is, is you don't accept the repentance to Abba. The problem is, is that you claim 
the New Testament, but still won't follow it just as well as you won't follow the Old Testament because you don't want to give a good answer or you're not able to give a good answer. And so you have to make an excuse why, or you got to put it to, well, don't judge me. You see, here's the thing. If you're claiming to have some faith in God, you put yourself in judgment. That That's a fact. Now, you know who I would accept the words, don't judge me from? Somebody out in the world who doesn't care about God, who doesn't want to know, uh, and they, don't judge me. Okay, I'm not going to, because that's for God to do. But you claim some sort of faith in God, I promise you, from a right, fair, and just perspective, I will judge you. I, I will judge your actions to see if they line up with the word of God, just like I would be okay. I am okay if somebody wants to challenge and judge me. Go ahead and judge me. You know, this is what Paul was saying when he said, I let no man judge me. Paul was not saying that you you don't judge people in the church. No, he said, I live such a life in this faith in Messiah that I'm walking as he did that you cannot judge me. You, you don't have the ability because even Paul told Timothy that the overseer, of which Paul was as an apostle, must be above reproach, blameless. So what does it matter if somebody's trying to judge me and what I'm saying and how I'm saying it? Because I'm going to be judged by God and I want to make sure. And if I am judged, then I want to evaluate, you know, to make sure that what I'm doing, what I'm saying is appropriate according to God. And that way I can be in the safe place. I can be comfortable with it. So just interesting aspects as you want to know what the problem is. Well, this is the problem, and cognitive dissonance is the problem, and brainwashing is the problem, and you not knowing what the brainwashing is is the problem, and you not knowing the psychology of the mind is the problem. So this is many, many problems uh, involved, but the biggest ones are setting aside the Old Testament and not being able to follow the New Testament because you have set aside the Old Testament. And... As we finish up for this morning, I just want to uh, uh, just give some information as far as, you know, the last two podcasts, we had some technical difficulties and not going to make any apologies for that because there was no intention of anything. We've gotten some new equipment and had to work some things out. And I've since sat down with my son in here and we worked through the, the bugs of it. And I think we got it figured out, at least for now. But that's part of the issues with being live is sometimes you'll have stuff like that. And what I would say to anybody who's listening, that if that happens where you can't hear something that one of us is saying, don't worry about it. Don't focus on what you can't hear. Focus on what you can hear, because there's a good possibility that that's what the uh, spirit mother wants you to 
uh, focus on anyway. And again, who am I? Who is Sean? Who is anybody that talks on the podcast? Uh, if you can hear it, then figure out the truth of God within the midst of it. Um, but we just had some technical difficulties in the last couple podcasts, and I believe we've got them worked out, but time will tell. So for Sean and myself, as we wind up this morning, we will be back on Tuesday evening at 7.30 for another podcast. Not sure exactly what Mother's going to bring to us, but we will see and we will discuss whatever it is. For that, everyone have a blessed weekend and enjoy your week next week. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.